Hi, I'm Brooke Kikos. I'm the host for Goddess Rising. I'm a relationship coach, an RTT therapist, a hypnotherapist, and an NLP practitioner. This podcast is meant for those who believe in unlocking the power from within and using our voice to create real change for yourself, for other women, to help empower, to learn, to expand consciousness, and really uplift each other. If you have been burdened by a past of trauma, abuse, and toxic relationships, this is a safe space to learn and grow and embody your truth. I am here to help you shift from shame, people-pleasing, codependency, low self-esteem, the horrible belief of feeling like I am not enough, and shift into expansion of your real potential. Because it's time to say no to toxic behaviors and say yes to unapologetic self-love. And this is where we find the healthiest relationship with ourselves and with our others. Hello, today we're here with Julie Jones, who is a speaker, adventure, and breakthrough coach, and a television host. And we are here to talk with her today about her life journey and how she came through some pretty difficult things and conquered uh, things that were really difficult in her life and now has gone to the place that where she's at and really stepping into her power. So Julie, I would love to hear a little bit more about your journey, what you had to overcome and how you got to be so successful and what you're doing now and helping women grow and actually conquer their own things. Well, thank you, Brooke. And I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be on your podcast. And, you know, my journey starts back, back into the 90s when I was a police officer and SWAT member for 10 years in, um, in that career. You know, one of the things that I kind of discovered about myself is number one, um, you know, I didn't like to cry, right? So like, tough people. And, you know, you were, you were kind of taught like not to show your emotions. So I saw crying as a sign of weakness. And so number one, I never cried, which really led me in an arena that I'll talk about in a little bit, like how it really made me suffer in communication. Right. And I, maybe I'll just talk about that part right now. So like, I'm not skipping all over and your and your listening audience is like, what the heck is this woman? <laughs> so what I discovered about myself is that back when I was growing up, my father used to say to me, you know, if you're going to cry, I'll give you something to cry about. And, you know, my parents believed in spanking. And so like, I knew that if I cried even harder, I was going to get spanked even more. And I didn't want that to happen. So I learned quickly early on not to show emotion. Well, I'm, I'm very clear that after doing some, you know, personal growth journey and some personal growth work, um, that that led me to two divorces because I'm happily married now um, on my third marriage. But I realized that because I had that deep set belief about not crying, that when I was in tough conversations with my in my first two relationships, if I felt myself getting on the verge of showing emotion or crying, I would shut down. And so it didn't allow me to have true, honest conversations with my first two husbands, which led to divorces. Because honestly, if you're telling everybody that you're fine and you're not really talking about what's going on, and then there would be a point that I would just explode and I would be yelling and screaming and you know doing all these things that were not really healthy for a relationship. So when I attended a course and I learned that this was a deep-seated belief in me, 
then of course it led to me changing how I communicate with my current husband. And I'm here to tell you, I cry all the time. I really show all my emotion. Like I am not afraid to cry and be who I was, you know, was I was meant and born to be. But also in law enforcement, one of the most difficult things I ended up having to do was give death notifications. You know, somebody was in a tragic accident, a homicide, whatever the situation was, and having to go and tell people that their loved ones weren't coming home. Again, you know, there's no surprise that I picked, you know, uh, uh, an arena of work that I couldn't show emotion, right? Because of that deep-seated, you know, or seated belief, I should say. So that was tough. But what was even tougher, and it didn't hit home for me, was that at the age of 57, my mom was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. And um, this month, the month of March, my mom will be gone 19 years, 19 years, which I, you know, cannot believe that she's been gone that long. So when she passed away just two years after her diagnosis, the other thing that hit me really hard at that moment was about a month later, my grandmother passed away. So within 30 days of having two strong female influences in my life, they were gone. I spiraled and I spiraled into depression. And my husband at the time was like, if you don't get help, you know, our relationship, which eventually did, you know, we did end up in divorce, but he's like, you've got to do something. Cause I was drinking excessively. You know, I was, I was not motivated. Like I didn't want to do anything, but it was really hard for me when they gave me the diagnosis of depression and that I had to go on antidepressants. The antidepressants helped bring me out of that depression, but it was also in those moments that I really started looking at everything and realizing that I didn't want to go to, to the grave with my dreams, you know, because my mom did, you know, like my parents had waited until retirement to live their life. And now they no longer had, because my mom, you know, they didn't have those dreams anymore because my mom passed away. So I decided that that wasn't going to be me. And it was slow. I'm like, you know, and I just, I took it one day at a time and really discovered about who I was. Like I talked about it, you know, I went on a personal growth discovery journey, you know, and I just really began to accept myself for who I am and what I bring to the party, as I always say, right? Like, I mean, I love life and I realized that I'm okay. And, and, you know, I guess that's the best way to put it is that, yeah, I'm really okay. And that I do have a lot to offer and it was a journey, you know, just doesn't happen overnight, but it's been, and work is such a hard word for people to like hear. They think, oh, I'm working on myself and they think, okay, it's yeah. going to be really challenging. It's scary. Right? It's scary. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants Nobody to wants work. To work yeah. right? <laughs> but it was self-discovery, self-awareness, like putting myself out there, going to different classes, talking to different people and surrounding myself with an amazing tribe of people because we don't, we're not designed to do this alone. And so many of us sit there and think, okay, like when I got the, you know, the diagnosis of depression, I didn't want to tell anybody because I saw it as a stigma, right? So like, I didn't want to tell anybody like, hey, listen, I'm depressed. But you know, like the more you open up, then people share their stories. And then you realize that you're not alone and that there's a tribe of people that are waiting to be there to help you. And that's been a huge part of my journey is the amazing people that I've been blessed to surround myself with. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all that. I know that it's not easy sometimes to share those things and be um, 
vulnerable and express those things. Just like you said, you know, I love that you brought to the surface about emotions because I too was somebody that like thrived in the fact, oh, I don't cry. I'm not, I'm not one of those girls, those crybaby girls. Like, no, no, that's not me. And because I was so like, thought I was put together, but really on the inside, I was just like crumbling, right? Because I had all of these emotions that had been stored for so long and I never processed them. So I love that you point that out because I think as women, we think, oh, if we're emotional or if we're crying or if we're expressing these things, that something's wrong with us because we've always been told that, you know, what's wrong with you? Why are you crying? What's going on? Like, stop, like pull together, you know, what? come on. And I think it's about being able to say, no, actually me expressing my emotions and being able to learn how to actually process them is really what's key. And that's what the real awareness is. So I love that you brought that to the surface because I think it's so important that we as women recognize that really becoming, you know, who we are is about being able to own our emotions, own how we're feeling. And also the fact that, you know, that you can say, you know, I was depressed and I take this medication. And I think everybody is so afraid to express that and say, I take medication because it is like, oh, something's wrong with you. Immediately, everyone thinks something wrong with you. She's crazy. She's mental. Like all of the things that people say, and it's that's scary. It's scary to admit, but that's not going to help you because then you're just going to continue to stay in that spiral and that sadness because something's, you feel like actually something is really wrong with you. Well, it is. And, you know, I think that a lot has changed over the years because, you know, um, I'll be 55 this year. And that was in my early 30s. So that's been almost, you know, you know, 20 years ago that I was, you know, diagnosed and so much has come to light about, you know, mental illness and, Mm -hmm. you know, all those kinds of things and, you know, how we need to support people more around that. And I love what you said, because it's not just, you know, loving and accepting the great parts of us. It's loving and accepting the not so great parts sometimes, right? Because nobody's perfect. (laughs) I mean, I'm the first to admit, you know, in fact, you know, like even part of my journey, because I mentioned it earlier, was the drinking. Now I got out of the depression, but the drinking component continued on for a lot of times. And I'm a, you know, I'm a product of having um, an alcoholic father as well as grandparents as well. And so alcoholism runs deep in my family. My first husband was an alcoholic and I'm currently married to a recovering alcoholic. And so, um, but for me, there were things that, you know, I had to look at my own use with alcohol, you know, and I'm proud to say that I'm like 14 and a half months, you know, clean and sober. And I know a lot of what I've accomplished in the last year and a half would not be possible if I hadn't made that decision. But for all of us, it's like there are, I was using alcohol still as a crutch. Like maybe I didn't need the medication. I would, that's how I was self-medicating was the alcohol was the, Hey, listen, you know, this helps me get through these emotional periods. It, you know, there was so many things, but I was also having so many negative impact in my life that I'm like, I'm done. And once I made that decision to just say, I'm done, I've been done and I don't miss it, but it wasn't easy at the beginning. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about the addiction to alcohol? Are you Absolutely. That? Okay. Yeah. Um, because I do find that, you know, we do make excuses for, you know, all of us do, right? Oh man, I've had a long day at work and it's, this has just been so rough. Let me just have a drink or two. And not saying that that makes you an alcoholic, but I'm just saying that we do use it as this like self-medication 
piece and we don't recognize it, right? It's no different than taking a depression medication. We're using this as our, our crutch, basically. This is, this is our, our band-aid to our problem or our stress, right? And for you, I, I would love for you to share with the audience um, how you feel like having one an alcoholic father affected you, if you're okay with that. And then also how you feel alcohol made you how it made you feel worse actually, rather than better, <laughs> kind of how that showed up for you and what, how did you use it? Was it like a daily thing? It was it like a binge drinker. Uh, what was that? How did that show up for you? Oh, well, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. I know, I know. I know there's a, there's a lot in there. Okay. So <laughs> growing up with an alcoholic father, you know, what it was, was that it, um, I guess it, it was twofold because it, it my mom didn't like it. And I saw how much my mom did not like it and how it led to fights, right? And, but in the same token, my father was always the life of the party. Like he was always the center of attention. He was bigger than, bigger than life, right? And so a lot of me, like, and who I am, I have that same persona, like, you know, like not so much center of attention, but I'm the life of the party. And I really truly believe that I needed alcohol you know, to, to have that persona. Like I couldn't be that persona sometimes without the alcohol and that alcohol made everything more fun. Right. Well, it doesn't make it fun when, you know, sometimes you wake up the next morning and you don't remember what you did the night before, right? Like you have the blackouts and all those kinds of things. So for me, what I discovered and when I really started taking a look is that anything that I may have been you know, embarrassed about, or maybe not a proud moment in my life always revolved around alcohol. Like there were always things like um, when I was married to my first husband, he had locked me out of the house and I had been drinking and we were fighting because he, he was an alcoholic as well. Right. But I had been drinking, you know, two people under the influence. It just doesn't lead to a good conversation. He locks me out of the house. We had glass pane doors. And so I smashed through the glass to get into the house. Well, I needed stitches in my arm and I carry that scar to this day to remind me, okay, not such a brilliant move under the influence to be smashing through glass windows, but I was mad. Like I was, my personality is pretty happy-go-lucky, but um, within the last, I would say couple of years, I noticed that I was getting a little bit more, if you wanna say belligerent might be the right word. Like I would just say things that I normally wouldn't say, you know, if I was sober. And then I just noticed one of the final moments, um, I love to throw a big Halloween party. My last Halloween party that I had in October of 2022, um, no, 21, October of 20, yeah, to, October 21. So October of 21, it was like, I hadn't been drinking, I had detox. Now I now, now this like, to me, again, I look back, signified that there was an issue. I purposely did a detox right before the party. So my drinking would not be affected because when you're on a detox, you're not supposed to drink. Right. So I didn't want the detox to impact me having a good time at my, my party, but because I had detox and I was drinking something stronger than I normally drink. Like there was a point for my own party that I just was like, I was done. I had drank too much and I blocked out. Like I went to bed, I blocked out. Like I didn't even remember people were showing up at the party and I was already you know, passed out. And so for me, I was, you know, I'm, um, I'm an all or nothing kind of gal. So I'd be like, okay, I'm just going to have one glass, which would turn into a bottle. And there were many 
a times that it was a bottle a night of wine. Wine was my, you know, was my drink of choice. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't all the time, but I, again, I started waking up all the time with headaches. I started getting acid reflux. There were so many things. And I would say, okay, well, it was the red wine because of this. So then I would switch to white and then I'd still wake up with headaches. And I'm like, okay, like you start to really like, for me, I just really started to see how this was damaging. And I, I, I love to live like a, what I call a non-toxic lifestyle. So, you know, I'm all about eliminating chemicals and all these kinds of things. Right. And then here I am ingesting, you know, basically poison all the time. Right. And it was a, it was a book, um, the naked mind and the alcohol effect by Annie Grace. And she goes into the science behind it. And that was what really spoke to me, like realizing that it's only that first drink that really gives you that high, like in 20 minutes, and then you continue to drink to always get back to that point. And so I thought, you know what, this is, again, like it just wasn't serving me. And um, there were so many, again, so many things like I, you know, stories that mm-hmm. I'm like, yep, not such a, that wasn't such a great idea, but I know that it was the influence of alcohol that played a role in how I made a decision that day. So yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it because I think, you know, someone's going to resonate with your story and say, oh, I completely feel that as well. You know, and how do you feel like now that you're free, right? It's been what's 14 and a half months, right? Like since you've been sober, right? How do you feel now? Like what has it brought to your life now that you're sober? How do you feel? I am, <laughs> I feel amazing. Like <laughs> I really do, because here's the thing, what I realized about the alcohol, you know, as a society, we're very social and everything is always seems to be around like alcohol, food, whatever. I mean, we all have our, our different addictions. You can be addicted to so many different things. Yeah. And so for me, I don't miss it. Like, I mean, and people are so cognizant of my choice that sometimes, you know, people always ask me, Hey, what can we have as like a you know, like a non-alcoholic, you know, substitute. And I just drink a lot of times, a lot of club soda. There are more and more places that are going to mocktails because I, from what I've heard, some of the younger generation, like the, the generation in their twenties, they're not about alcohol. Right. And so there's more of a movement, you know, to like, to not drink so much, but for me, it's the clarity of thought. See, I accomplished a lot last year, including what you talked about. Like I released my own television show and that would not have been possible if I was waking up every day with headaches. Because what would happen is if I drank a lot, it took me almost two days to recover. So I was losing a lot of time in my life, you know, because I was like, oh, I don't feel like doing anything. I'm just going to lay on the couch all day or I would wake up with that headache and then I'd get the headache to go away, but now I'm tired. Now I got to go take a nap. And so just less productivity for me. And you just realize, like, I I really took a look at like, what is the alcohol adding? It wasn't adding anything because I'm still larger than life. I still like to have a good time. I love to have fun. And I realized, you know, it wasn't the alcohol that was doing that. It was me. Like, it's just me all by myself, like, you know, happy with who I am. And I, I couldn't be happier is really the bottom line because I don't ever have to worry about sometimes like I used to schedule my calendar in such a way that if I knew I was going out one night, like say like a Friday night, or you're doing something like I wouldn't plan anything early for a Saturday morning. Cause I knew I would probably be hungover. 
Mm. And, you know, so like now it doesn't matter. Like if I, somebody's like, oh, well, we're doing this and it's really early in the morning. I'm like, okay. Cause I know I'm not going to be hung over and, you know, have to worry about not being able to get up to go and, you know, live the life that I want to live. Exactly. Well, congratulations, because that's huge. And you have accomplished so much. I mean, I've seen what you've done and it's brilliant. You're amazing. And why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what you kind of brought to the, you know, the surface for women to actually enjoy and step into so that they can really enjoy your energy. Well, thank you. So Brooke, you know, my platform is Stop Waiting, Start Living. Um, and the, the premise behind that is really that people are just waiting. They're in this waiting place, as I like to call it. And it's the fears that hold them back from really living the life that they want to be living. So I'm a speaker and I talk a lot about, you know, that platform. I'm also an adventure and breakthrough coach. My television show is the same name. I released a book, Stop Waiting, Start Living. And so it's really about getting people off the hamster wheel of life is really what I, you know, I really focus in on. I inspire joy. I help people stop doing, 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 and just start being, and to have the courage to be who they were meant to be and live a life without regret. See, because, you know, so many people, and as we were, before we were getting on the podcast, you know, we talked about this because it's, it's still very fresh in my mind and it's really very tragic. So some very good friends of mine, they lost their 23 year old son this week to a motorcycle accident. And that 23 year old thought, and his parents thought that, you know, he was going to outlive them. Right. And so now in a moment, just in a brief moment, his life is gone. Their life has changed forever. And we don't know when our expiration date is. Like I always, you know, think that the expiration date is on the back of our head. Why? I don't know, but that's where I think it is. Right. And we have no control over when that moment is going to be. There may not be an illness. There may not be like a sign that, you know, your time is coming to an end. So like I live each day as if it were my last. And so when I inspire others to do the same, like stop saying no to the things that fulfill you. You know, work is always going to be there. Like stop saying yes to the have tos of life and start saying yes to the get tos in life. Yes. I love that because I think that there is so many people that could probably resonate with the fact that, you know, you kind of get up, you do the same thing over and over again, and you keep saying, oh, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or I'm going to get on that diet and I'm going to, I'm going to lose this weight, or I'm going to step into another career. And then we just, they, no one ever does it right. They just don't actually step into who they really could be. And then what happens, you know, you waste all those years and you look back and you say, oh gosh, I wish I, you know, having regret right? Not having the regret. And I think living with a, in such a way like that is so beautiful. And I agree with you. I feel like that's something that I've had to step into for myself because I didn't realize from all of the, my past trauma, I was living in the state of fight or flight all the time. And I was never in the present moment. I was constantly dissociating from my body or, you know, and I wasn't really present ever. And I couldn't actually be present as a mom either when I've because of the trauma that I hadn't dealt with. I hadn't processed it. And so if you're not really living your life, you're just getting up and you're doing the same repetitive thing over and over. It's like Groundhog Day. (laughs) Absolutely. And and you really hit upon it. I mean, 95% of how we operate is automatic pilot. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just so ingrained in us. And it's like just starting to make small switches. I tell people all the time, like we're not going to do massive change because 
the subconscious rebels, right? Like with massive yeah. change, like it's, a, it's a designed to keep you safe. And now all of a sudden you're throwing all this like stuff. It's like, what, what are you doing with me? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's, it's little steps, but it's learning to say yes more. You know, me, I've got my googly eyed glasses, you know, I'm always about having fun. It's like, just step out of like, you're normal and just be a little Abby normal, you know, and, yeah, and exactly. just, you know, put yourself out there. Yes, you know, nobody's going to die. I promise. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just have more fun, right? Bring more joy into your life and be more present, right? It's not, we don't have to keep going, going, going and operating right. from that state of mind. Yeah. We have to like really take control over our lives. And I could probably talk about that for a lot longer, but it's like, we don't really take control completely over our lives. And we just really let everybody else around us control it or how we show up in the world. We're afraid to show up as us. So I love that you shared that. That's so beautiful. Um, if there's one thing with the audience that you feel like you could share that has been part of your journey, that you just know that something that it's like, this is a phrase that you love to use. What would you share that would help them? A phrase is a good one, but I, you know, I always fall back to you are enough. Mm -hmm. Like you truly are enough. And I, I often talk about, because sometimes people listening in, and I think in this broadcast that they're hearing that my life is not all sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns, right? Like, I mean, things happen and it's always a choice on how you're going to respond. But I am a big believer and ever since I heard this from a friend of mine, that we all were put on this earth with a particular purpose and a particular message. And that message can only be heard from us. So Brooke, you're amazing at what you know you do and the message that you share with, with, you know, with women. And same thing for me. It's completely different. We've we can collaborate and we can work together. But if I attempt to give your message, it's not the same. It doesn't resonate with people because I'm not supposed to be the deliverer. And those of you listening in, you do have a message. And maybe sometimes that message just impacts your family. Maybe you're not on stages, maybe you're not on podcasts, whatever it is, but you matter and you make a difference in your life, in your world. So, you know, don't play small. And like, if you have an opportunity to speak up with your message, speak up and see how things can shift for you. Thank you. I love that. That's absolutely perfect. I mean, you know, I'm all about not playing small. So <laughs> I played small for too long. So you and I understand that. So thank you, Julie, so much for being on the podcast today. I appreciate it so much. Um, how can people find you? Just let's just give us your website and how they can get a hold of you if they want to. Easiest way is my name, Julie Jones. Biz, B I Z. So I like to say the one and only. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes, the one and only. Well, thank you, Julia, so much for being on here. I really appreciated it. Oh, thank you so much, Brooke. It's been an awesome opportunity. And, you know, thank you for allowing me the space to be vulnerable. Beautiful. Thank you for listening to Goddess Rising. It would mean the world to me if you could like, subscribe, and share so that I can receive more listeners because this is how we each use our own voices to step into our own power, create change and healing for others. Until next time, remember, you are the Goddess Rising.